Thanks for tuning to Digital Voices Podcast, where we chat digital transformation, challenges and opportunities across healthcare and life sciences. And now, your host, Ed Marks. All right, another episode. And as always, an awesome guest. And this time we're going to talk digital voices and from the payer perspective, but also sort of the provider perspective. So kind of a blend or the best of both. And there's no one better than my friend, Joe. And so Joe, welcome to Digital Voices. Thanks, Ed. Nice to be here. Yeah, so we're going to jump right in. But first, uh, DJ Sydney, you know, we always uh, want to hear from you and get your, your perspective. Tell us about you know, you're early, you're early in your career. And, you know, how do you think about insurance? You know, when you were looking at your current employer or other opportunities, you know, do you, do you consider insurance? Is that part of the thing you think about? Um, that's a good question. Honestly, right now, no, because I'm still only four months into my job. Um, and I just graduated, so I am still on my parents' insurance. Yeah. Um, but I would love to learn more so that I know soon, very soon they want to kick me off. So, <laughs> No, that, that's true, right? When we're younger, we don't seem to care as much about insurance because we're invincible and, you know, nothing ever gets wrong, goes wrong. Uh, and I think as, as people get older, start having families, then they think more and more about insurance and, and, and those sort of things. So, you know, my first experience with insurance and healthcare beyond the strictly, you know, payer side was when I took a role at university hospitals way back when, and we had a plan, uh, an insurance plan. And we had, you know, pretty successful plan, but for one reason or another, and Joe, we'll, we'll find out from you here in a, in a minute or so, you know, the trend was at the time to have your own plan and then they started going away. So this would have been in the mid 2000s. So there was a few health systems had plans, then they divested those plans. So I was part of this divestiture and then I was recruited to Texas Health and at Texas Health, it was the same thing. We had a, we had a pay, insurance product. Uh, and about the time that I got there, we actually divested from it because, you know, competitive situations with our medical staff and they didn't, you know, like that and all that kind of stuff. It certainly has swung the other way, I think, but we'll, we'll get your opinion on that. You'll, you'll know a lot better than myself. So with that, yeah, uh, Joe's with us. I'm going to let him introduce himself uh, in a second and tell us more about a story. But Joe, the most important thing everyone wants to know is uh, your favorite music that you like to listen to you know you told me i would have to answer this question so let me let me get my my list up okay all i can tell you is i like all kinds of music and it's it's real so the my current list on spotify i have moonica mac i have rainbow kitten surprise win in rome bob dylan super tramp pure prairie league uh king harvest Shovel in a Rope, Merle Haggard. I mean, it, it's it's all of that. Yeah. So, it, just good. like music, I'd say that you know, it's, I have a different criteria for seeing bands in person. So, uh, I I will say I've enjoyed the Killers. I've seen them a couple times. Very good. Oh man, I love the Killers. I I have not seen them in concert, but that's definitely on my list of concerts to see. So yeah, I love their music. 
And what about your, you know, sort of life message or is there a mantra that you live by? You know, what's what's something that you hold near and dear to your heart? I, as a young man, read Kipling's poem, If, and I have um, kept copies of that and, and referred to that throughout my life. I feel like that there is a lot of great wisdom for being a leader and being a person in that. So I've always kept copies of that in my kids' rooms. Uh, and again, it, there's always something new in it, kind of referring back to the, as I've grown older and I've experienced more, that's kind of a touchstone for me. All right. So tell us a little bit about your story, your professional or personal, as much as you want to share, Joe, you know, that gives people sort of insights and then take us all the way up to where you are today. Sure. So I, um, I was a philosophy major at a small liberal arts school, University of Dallas, and uh, there's not a lot of jobs for philosophers. Uh, I was planning on going to law school and I ended up uh, deciding to get an MBA and very random uh Healthcare turned into a focus in, in that for me and, and uh, ended up in my first job actually in a provider-owned health plan. Uh, so a joint venture here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh, love the work, I, but I, I've always had a bit of an entrepreneurial bent, so I didn't stay there very long. I, I ended up uh, joining uh, at least one and soon to be two folks that I met in grad school to start a practice management company. So this was in the uh, late mid to late nineties. And if you remember that time, practice management companies were all the rage and growing and there was public money coming in. It was, of course, the dot com boom was happening. It was an interesting, vibrant time. Um, I ended up leaving that company, um, and joining, uh, uh, really taking one of my clients from that company. My partner ended up wanting to move on and do real estate. Uh, we, we had tried to sell it, and then the company that was buying us got bought, and that transaction kind of fell apart. And so we, uh, I ended up uh, working with our, our one of our new clients, a real entrepreneurial position, uh, I think probably for about four or five years, where we did did lots of stuff. You know, it was, it was a turnaround situation, but there was also a lot of side businesses. We were very active in, in standing up in you know, sleep centers, uh, things like that, so real estate deals. And then I got recruited into a technology company. So it was a very small at the time, uh, focused in the emergency department space initially as a coding and documentation tool. And they asked me to come in and help them stand up a business unit that focused on ambulatory. So primary care, urgent care, which I did. Uh, and it just very quickly as that company grew and, and there was a lot of opportunities that opened up in that company. So I think over a period of about, about three or four years, I ended up moving beyond just the business unit I was responsible for to kind of global kind of corporate responsibilities and VB uh, marketing. It ended up, uh, I spent about 10 years there. Uh, we ended up selling that company uh, in 2010 to a large private equity firm. So we uh, were one of those companies that, you know, a, a very successful story, you know, build, very, very good exit. Uh, that was a, um, that allowed me, I would say, you know, uh, through luck and there's always some skill and hard work, certainly I, I can't claim, but we all know that luck plays a factor into opportunities in our careers and our lives. And I was fortunate enough that, uh, I was able to take a couple years off, 
Uh, and you mentioned kind of personal. So in the background from this uh, 2001 to 2010, which I would describe as a, uh, as a very hard run, you know, startup companies move at a pace. Uh, and you're small and you're, you're moving and, and you often wear multiple hats even as you're growing and there's these different maturation stages of processes inside a company. Um, and so in, in, uh, in 2004, we lost our daughter to uh, influenza. So we lost our daughter, Emily, who was at the time three and a half. And uh, that, you know, just... I just can't go into, you know, what, how tragic that was and, and what that did in our family and, and, uh, uh, and all of that. We were, uh, I was fortunate that I was, I have to say, working with clinical people, largely emergency department nurses and physicians. We were very clinically heavy in that company, even though we were a technology company. Uh, but my work environment was, was very good. I, it, you had people that knew how to be around people who had suffered loss. And it yeah. wasn't, I didn't have to go to work with eggshells and stuff that people describe. You know, it was something. So um, that, that, that uh, helped us. We, our fourth child was born 13 days after that. Uh, so uh, it, it was very weird bringing our fourth child into kind of that our family at that time, of, of, I would say broken, uh, in a sense. And, uh, and then again, all the while here, you know, when, when my, her name is, uh, Anna, we call her Allie. When she was three and a half, she was diagnosed with leukemia. And so, uh, you know, I, I should say that she's almost 18 today. She's fantastic. She's a great student. She's a great athlete. We're very fortunate that, uh, not only did she beat cancer, but th there are often uh, with kids a lot of effects from the treatment itself that follow them throughout their lives. So we we ended up very uh, lucky in both respects. So um, so those things were going on in the background. And, you know, with it, it, it sort of set me on a path. Um, my wife and I have been very strong advocates uh, through an organization we helped found called Families Fighting Flu, and we've worked you know since two thousand five. Uh, around immunization, vaccination awareness issues. We've done, you know, even in some policy and advocacy around uh, vaccine recommendations. So in Texas and, and then also uh, uh, nationally, really. So now that brings us up to, I, I got lucky enough and I got to do uh, take a couple of years where I wasn't working that hard and I was doing a little bit of consulting and a, and a lot of hiking and climbing in Colorado and doing things like that and, and also reconnecting with my kids. So. I, you know, it, it was a chance to kind of, you know, coach them where I didn't been too busy and really kind of spend a lot of time and, and connect in ways. Uh, it was great. And then I, um, I got a call from uh, someone who said, hey, this organization, uh, it's, they're called the North Texas Accountable Healthcare Partnership. It's kind of like a Switzerland organization. It's got the payers, the providers, the hospitals, you know, you name it, they're, the big employer groups are on it all for the, I think it's what the 12 counties around Dallas-Fort Worth. And they also are uh, going to be running the health information exchange and they need a, they need a leader. And I said, uh, I don't know if I want to do that. Like, I don't know how efficient government and these things work. I feel like I'd be frustrated given my experience of kind of moving quickly. But a week later, another person called me and said, you know, you're, I really think you would be good at this. And it was separate and, and happened to know about it. 
Um, one was a board member and one wasn't. And I said, ah, okay, is that fate? You know, should I really take a look at that? Um, it wasn't the kind of thing that I, you know, I was lucky enough where compensation wasn't going to be like a huge factor in it for me, you know, so that that wasn't a barrier, I would say. Um, and, and it also looked like something that was hard. And, and the third thing that I thought is you, and you may know this too, Ed, you're in healthcare long enough, you, you start to see, I think maybe people in healthcare are the biggest critics of healthcare even when we don't yeah. exactly know how to fix the problem. You know, we can articulate the place that we'd like to get to, but getting there is often really hard. Like what are, how do you orchestrate all the steps to get to that desired state? And, and I'd say what, what attracted me to that was the chance to solve, you know, the problem of the portability of health information, like put it the power in the patient's hands and, and, and let them do that. So. Uh, I did that for, we ended up after about four years, um, one of the things that was unique in Texas, which you well know, because that's where I met you first, was in that right. city. When you, you were yeah. the chair of the Texas Health Service Authority at the time. And uh, Texas took an approach that kind of fragmented all the money into sort of a regional approach. And after a couple of years on there, it really, as we all built different infrastructure and tried to connect and you spent dollars that... I think we started to see that maybe we should have more been more centralized, I think, in terms of how we built that. Um, and what we did, there was a, one of the other HIEs based out of San Antonio was really a good fit for us. We ended up merging our HIE uh, part with uh, HASA, it's called in San Antonio. And uh, I talked to the board. And so actually, here's a strange fact that the North Texas Accountable Healthcare Partnership still exists. Uh, I, as a reward for doing that, I was voted by the outgoing chair as the board chair. Uh, and we decided to say, let's leave this as kind of a flexible, like, you know, it's the, there, there are a couple other similar things in Dallas that you can kind of resurrect when you need a multi-stakeholder organization to solve a problem. So, so it's still there. Um, and, uh, you know, I've had to sign tax forms and stuff from time to time. And then that, that led me, one of my board members uh, from that recruited me into Baylor Scott & White into strategy. Uh, so I so I, I went into Baylor Scott and White. And I spent a couple of years there before uh, I got the call to to come to my current employer, which is the Health Plan Alliance. So yeah, so really it was a summation of all those things, your experiences, and thank you for sharing so deeply on on the family side as well, that give you this perfect background to to lead Health Plan Alliance. Tell us about Health Plan Alliance. So Health Plan Alliance has um, been around for, we're on our 26th year. So I, I consider myself lucky, you know, as, as you sometimes stand on the shoulders of giants, so to speak. Um, it's a really, really unique asset. So we are, uh, we're not an association or not for profit. We're actually a for-profit joint venture. And we are structured as a, uh, a sort of proprietary best practice and information sharing collaborative between our members. And our members are restricted to provider-sponsored and independent health plans around the country. So we don't serve big, sort of the big national health plans. Uh, and there's one additional thing that really is sort of part of our secret soft, sauce, um, and that is we have a members that come in cannot compete with each other. And so what, what that's created for us is a really high trust 
Now, they all sign legal documents and things, too, right. so I don't want to rely on that, but, but it yeah. creates a very high-trust framework for sharing uh, where they can share mistakes and, you know, don't do this because we did it, it's great, or here's the blueprints for this, and it's working great. Um, and, and so it's, it's, it's a really wonderful thing. We do a lot of, we're very flexible platforms, so we've done, you know, we do lots of education and connecting uh, for anybody who's kind of a director up to CEO. And we do, we run a GPO. We do a lot of vendor-facing work around accountability and surveillance for innovation and startup companies and things like that. Uh, we do, uh, you know, we've made kind of an investment, which is not really, you know, what we're structured to do, but we can. And then we also problem solve. So if members want to study a problem or stand up a data asset, we facilitate it. You know, we, if, if we do a lot of benchmarking, uh, just anything that they want to do to get better at what they're doing and share. Um, as big as my members are, you have to, you know, just as a point, you know, I think maybe my smallest member might might have in the hundreds of millions of dollars. And the biggest one is probably somewhere in the $6 billion range or something top line. But and those may seem like very large companies, but if you think about the space that they're in, with CBS and Aetna and Anthem and right. Centene and United, you can see that they're actually quite small. Yeah. Yeah, so it's almost like David and Goliath, perhaps, sort of, um, you know, some of these smaller companies, although large in their own right, you know, taking on and competing against some of these giant companies. It absolutely is, and scale matters. You, you had mentioned yeah. earlier about, uh, your experience with health plans, kind of, there were a lot, you know, everyone was doing it and then they were exiting. Uh, then it actually, you missed it. The next trend, which was right before ACA, there was a whole bunch of startups again. So, you you know, right around yeah. 2007 to 2010 or so, you saw a bunch of plans get created uh, in anticipation of, of ACA and how that was going to transform. And then you saw also kind of a slow washout a little bit um, I can tell you routinely, you know, there's somewhere, somewhere around, we have about 50 members. Uh, it, it's pretty close to capacity because you start running against competitive edges. And there's probably about 250 independent or small plans uh, yeah. around the country. It's, that's about the number. Yeah, so the Health Plan Alliance, that's great because you're able to aggregate all these members who don't compete with one another, share best practices, really learn from one another, sort of like this iron sharpens iron type concept. So where are we headed? Yeah, so we talked a little bit about the trends. Uh, where are we headed today? So it's been up and down, up again before ACA, as you mentioned. And where where do you think we're headed with payers? And you hear this term payviders, you know, is there a merging of the two providers and payers? You know, where what do you think is, is happening out there? Well, I think you can, yeah, so... Um... I think companies used to fit into very neat buckets. So you had payers, you had providers, you had the tech, you had payer tech, you had provider tech, you had, you know, DME in these segments. All, all you see now is a collapse of all of those. It's a, it's a massive collapse of the, of those old lines and stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, like if you, so yeah, is United a payer? Yeah. Are they a provider? Yeah. They're a provider. Are they a tech company? Oh, yep. They're a tech company. Are they that? Right. So you can pick just about anybody and there's a massive pursuit of capabilities now. 
So everybody, including our members, but I mean, every part of the industry is searching for capabilities. You have to be able to do certain things. And the number of things that you have to do well is growing. Uh, you can't just be, you know, you can't be an indemnity provider that you are doing underwriting and risk. You know, you have to, you have to have care models. You have to solve problems in care models. Um, it's, it's driving for our members uh, a lot of activity and energy around how to be better integrated with their provider partners, their networks, and their parents, uh, you know, their delivery system parents. In some cases, so some of, my, some of my plans have one owner, some have two or three in a joint venture model. Yeah. So is one of the differentiators, Joe, or maybe just keeping up with, you know, in digital. So, you know, obviously the audience is largely chief digital officers across all of health and life sciences here. And so is, is one of the tools that, that you compete against some of the heavierly capitalized uh, organizations like digital assets, whether it's, you know, you know, virtual care type capabilities. So I don't know if I love the term digital um, it, only because it, it's used so you know what I'm saying. I think let's oh, yeah. define kind of thing because I because I think the answer is kind of yes, but but I maybe should be more specific about it. Um, this year, when we look at three priorities that stretch across all fifty plans, number one is people and all things that are happening with people. Number two is growth. How do I grow? In particular, how can I grow if I don't have a lot of risk-based capital to grow? Uh, and number three is, I, I'm going to say this, it's it's member experience, digital, and then integration, closer integration, right? So mm -hmm. we see them kind of together. The digital being how you can do it or the uh, things that you can do that you couldn't do last year that, that you definitely couldn't do five years ago. Um, but it's also, it's all the ways that a member and a patient will experience your brand, your system, touch you. And then knowing, so how do you, kn knowing which of those things are important and that you're going to own and kind of figure out and how they map into the tools that you use to do it. So I, I would say it's a journey. Yeah. I don't think any of my members are there. It is, it is a journey and it is critical uh, for them. Yeah, that, that's a good point. And I'm seeing that in the industry as well, like you said. I uh, use the word collapse or the, the the old business models where they were clearly defined black and white. And obviously, especially with the, the, your membership, uh, you know, define a lot of that where they they blurred the lines quite a bit in that business model and appropriately. So and so you're seeing a lot of focus on the membership experience and the patient experience together. So the member being the word from the payer side and patient from the provider side. And you see that coming together because it's 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 hard to have a good experience if you're a member but have a bad experience on the provider side, right? It all gets sort of uh, lumped together. So with the Health Plan Alliance, um, your members ideally are maybe ideally situated to try to bridge that gap a little bit and make sure the integration exists between payer and provider. And that's Absolutely. why I hear so I yeah. I would, I would say I would say this. Um, so I, let me go back to a comment I made. That saying that our plans are on a journey uh, probably ignores some of the quite brilliant bright spots uh, uh, that 
you know, many of them have where they've solved parts of that problem with elegance and are, and are doing something wonderful for patients, whether it's in concierge things or the apps or how they do that. So I want to be clear that I, I don't want to make it seem like they're, they're certainly far behind. I think, I think the entire industry is not where it needs to be. That we are not delivering on that. And every interaction that our members and patients have with other industries, whether it's Netflix or anything else, is retraining them and moving that bar further out. You know, and healthcare probably started a little bit out because, frankly, you're a doctor, you have the power. You're like, okay, come to me and I'll see you when I'm, you know, you might sit for a while, but I'll get to you. Right. You know, and you do this, and you know that's not the paradigm that that most businesses are approaching. So I completely agree that um, it, it is uh, it is one of the most dominant things in the C-suite right now. It will continue to be that way in the next four, five, six years, and all of all of my members are thinking about that. Those questions like what. How do we, you know, are we going to journey map? How are we going to do it? What technology do we need? What do we need to own? What do we need to buy? Who does something better than we can do? You know, all of those kind of questions yeah. are really critical. Yeah, no, this, this is very uh, super interesting because as we've mentioned, this is sort of the future. This is where healthcare is going. Your members are already there or in, participants in the alliance are already there. Uh, what words of wisdom might you have for any sort of, you know, person, a leader who's a sort of chief digital in their title, or perhaps the individuals that, that uh, report in their structures, whether it's on the payer or provider side, what sort of things should they be thinking about when it comes to virtual care? Where, where, where do you think we're headed that would be helpful to both uh, payer and provider? Oh. Thought you were going to have easy questions. Ed. I know uh, next and, one. You know, it's just not that easy. I, I think. Um, I, I think a lot of you know a lot of uh, of sort of the digital question is it, 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 you first as an organization have to be asking yourself um, the strategy question, so that if you're a hospital and you were you had a piece of valuable real estate to, so to speak, you know, before the lines got blurred, is it still the same thing that you need to, you know, those questions drive kind of the, the sort of digital, all the things that you make downstream, you know, yeah. is, is really understanding what do you have to be good at? Uh, I'm not sure that all organizations have figured that out yet. And I think they're in the process. And, and I think only after doing that, can you start activating um, you know, the things that you need to do, then you know, okay, this is how we build this experience and we need to build this experience. Oh, you know what? We don't need to build that experience. We don't necessarily need yeah. that, you know, as much. Um, that, that's yeah. kind of thing now. I, I, I will say this. I will offer some sympathy a little bit for those uh, that are kind of individual or they're expected to in their, be experts in the organization in such a, in sort of knowing all the universe. There are so many companies out there. I don't know how someone stays up with all the solutions that are up there, you know, that are popping up. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how, I mean, literally, I I audition a lot of companies, a lot of people knock on our doors, and and I still probably see a fraction of of what's out there. There is so much money, which is great, to innovate and solve little bits and pieces of the problems, 
but stitching that together is what the, the folks have to do to, to create that experience. Yeah. yeah, it's a crowded marketplace for sure. Uh, as you said, it's good. A lot of innovation taking place. It'll see what sticks long term. Um, but yeah, I, I think definitely long term is this payer, provider, pay biters. I, I think that's where we're headed as an industry. Health Plan Alliance is a great asset to your member organizations to help them in that journey. Uh, Joe, this has been great. We covered uh, quite a bit of ground. Is there anything that we may have missed uh, that you wanted to share before we conclude? I don't think so. Uh, I've appreciated this. Um, I, you know, I, maybe I can come back when you have the hour, hour and a half format for that on yeah. the panel, the when, long one. When we, yeah, when we have the 10K format. Right now we're still in the 5K. We, we, should, we should have multiple versions, right? This is the 5K version, and then we have a 10K, and then maybe someday we'll do a marathon versions for those who are like, uh, uh, you know, need need three hours for, uh, or four hours. Uh, it's kind of like there's yeah. the radio edition, and then there's the, the copy you buy, right? There's, yeah. there's multiple. That's good. Yeah. No, but this, it's been fascinating, Joe. Your, your career has been fascinating, and certainly your personal story, uh, very inspiring, and and I really appreciate you being our guest. I've enjoyed our friendship. You know, I still remember meeting in a coffee shop 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago, right? It'd be about 10 years ago. And uh, talking about the interoperability and uh, climbing, training, climbing is that, story. Is that, is that 10 years in COVID time or normal time? I, I find that yeah. COVID time is quite a bit different than uh, the yeah. time used to be. That's, that's a fair point. All yeah. right. So... Thanks again, Joe. Thank you, Sydney. And we'll talk to you in our next drop. Thank you, Ed. Thanks, Sydney. Hi, this is John Lynn from the Healthcare IT Today podcast. If you like the latest rumors, insights, and happenings in healthcare IT, you'll enjoy hearing my colleague Colin Hung and myself debate and share the latest happenings from the world of healthcare IT. Find the latest episodes or dig into our archive at healthcareittoday.com or search for Healthcare IT Today on your favorite podcast application or YouTube. When it comes to healthcare technology, we love this stuff, and we can't wait to have you join in on the discussion of everything health IT. Thank you for listening to Digital Voices Podcast with Ed Marks. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe on your preferred streaming service and leave a rating and review. And most importantly, thanks again for listening.